welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. We are psychologists and moms. Join us as we discuss what we've figured out, what we've yet to figure out, and what there's just no figuring out. It's sure to be fun, and you may be inspired along the way. Welcome. So we are going to start a four-part series on Being of Power. And just a little note, this is a book. It's Being of Power by Baron Baptiste. But just to be clear, we're going to talk about concepts that we found to be really helpful and relevant. And we absolutely recommend reading the book. It's a wonderful book, but you do not have to have read the book for these podcasts to make sense or for what we talk about to make sense. We've kind of designed them so that we really just focus on these pearls of wisdom that we found in the book that were really relevant. And we discuss those, kind of go a deep dive with each of those. So the first pearl that we're going to focus on is called being a yes. And so it happens to be the first chapter of the book as well. But being a yes means that you are someone who is standing positively for what's happening in your life and for what you want to have happen in your future. So if you're being a yes, you're a person who's up to something bigger. Yes sets the stage for being of power. It means being confident in your ability to turn difficulty into possibility, upsets into positive energy, and breakdowns into breakthroughs. So that's kind of what being a yes means. And so then we, we're going to talk a little bit about how to do that. So one of the quotes I liked so much from the book, and he starts it like right out of the gates on page three, is if you're all yes all the time for everyone in your life, which I hear a lot of people say they are, what authentically matters most to you is harder to distinguish and likely isn't getting served. Thus, no can be a valuable tool for setting boundaries. So does that phrase resonate with you guys? Have there been times in your life where you feel like you've been like all yes to everyone all the time? How did that work out? I think for me, I think when I think about that, it's not so much that I've been all yes, but more so how it's shown up for me is more like lack of intentionality. Mm -hmm. So almost just kind of like doing things willy nilly almost and just kind of getting caught up at the speed of life a bit rather than being really intentional. And I love his phrasing about what's authentic for you, right? So if you're yes, or you're just kind of floating through without intention, we can spend a lot of time and energy. Whereas if we allow ourselves to tap into what's authentic and what fuels us and what drives us and what lights us up, like life feels really different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say that not necessarily a all yes all the time, but to your point, Lucy, about intentionality, sometimes I will say yes sort of willy nilly without really checking in with myself first and sort of pulling back and looking at the big picture because I can get really excited and caught up in stuff in the moment. (laughs) But I really need to look at sort of like the big landscape of my life and how is this going to fit in? And do I really, really mean it, you know, when I say yes, otherwise I'm very apt to overcommit myself to many things. Right. Do you let yourself walk your yeses back? Like if you say yes and later realize like, oh, like that was maybe, yeah, I'm a no. Sometimes I do, but other times I try to force it a lot where, you know, when I have a lot of stuff crop up, I will make it work. And it's not really coming from a place of, you know, vitality and really wanting to with a lot of intention. And then I get frustrated with myself for not putting in as much effort maybe as I as I typically would or not enjoying it as much just because I've overcommitted. 
And that's, I'm thinking about like, okay, where do I say yes where I don't want? I think sometimes I end up saying yes, like almost from those rigid rules. Like, here's what I should do. Here's what needs to happen next, right? So you get in these patterns and you're like, is this really serving me? Like, it's kind of a disconnected sort of process. Totally. And I think about when I think the reason that like all yes, all the time, like landed for me, like a ton of bricks is I remember, I actually very clearly remember a period in my life where I was all yes, all the time. So I had finally become a mother. So it was when Wesley was a newborn and it had been a very long and arduous journey getting to be a mother. So I was so grateful for getting to be a mom that I wanted to be all yes, all the time to everything parenthood related. Everything needed to be perfect. Everything needed to be awesome. Also, there had been a lot of people that had supported me during this very long, arduous journey. And so I felt like I needed to be all yes, all the time to everyone in my life. And I was starting my private practice. So I felt like I need to be all yes all the time to every referral source or every referral that came in my door. I also had some postpartum depression at that time. And so it was like looking back on it, I have just a lot of compassion about how my boundaries got so blurred because I was feeling so crappy all the time. But it really just kept that like snowballing, right? That I just constantly put this pressure that I had to be a yes for every person, every request. And it really started to eclipse my authenticity for sure. But I mean, it was dark. It got me really dark. And so I think that idea of just feeling that all yes, all the time, we can kind of, I think, believe that it's us being grateful or us being open or us being engaged. And it may be all of those things, but I think that's where you have to kind of look inside and see like, how is this serving me? Is this helping me to show up for my life or is it kind of shutting me down? And I think that was for me, that was a really good indicator of what he says, that it's making it hard to distinguish what really matters. So why do you think we say yes? Mm Mm-hmm when we don't really mean it or when it doesn't align with our authenticity? Like, what are some of the reasons that that get us trapped there? Number one reason for me is people pleasing, that you're not going to be happy with me if I say no. And so I need to people please. Yeah, I agree with that. Like that comes into play. And sometimes, honestly, I will overestimate my ability to do things and underestimate the time that it takes to... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to actually accomplish it. You're and optimistic. Yeah, but sometimes unrealistically so. And I will get those comments like, I don't know how you, you know, work these jobs and do all this and be a parent and be a wife and all of this. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know either. And I think some of it is just like keeping my head down and just kind of continuing to plow forward rather than really checking in and seeing like, okay, so if I say yes to this, is it is it really serving me in some kind of way? Can I go all in? be authentic, have it be energizing, you know, all of those sorts of things. And sometimes those questions don't come into play with me at all. So you like mean well, and there's this part of you that really would want to be a yes, but ignoring like the bigger picture of other things that you're also a yes to. Oh, yeah. Like recently. So, you know, so I have private practice. I'm adjunct faculty. I'm a supervisor for several students, for nine doctoral students at this point, two of them who work with me in my private practice. We do this podcast. I'm in this leadership training, which is an extensive amount of time where I have to go to Colorado every other month. And I also recently applied to be a Disney Park blog panelist because I have so much free time. You know, and I was talking to my really close friend, Sarah, and she said, that sounds wonderful. And what are you going to let go of so that you can do that? And I'm like, oh, because she was asking me like, so how many hours is this going to take you to do this? And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know, maybe, you know, 
10 hours a week, a few hours a week. I don't know. And she's like, a few 10 hours, a few 10 hours, (laughs) like not like, yeah, not bad. I just have to answer about 15 to 20 questions, you know, a week from people that are planning to go to Disney world. And yeah, I think it'll be okay. I'm like, and it doesn't start until 2022. So surely by then I will have dropped something off. My plate. I told Jamie she might drop the kids off her yeah. plate. Yeah, just drop them. <laughs> right. I'm done. They're raised. 12 and 13. Yeah. We're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking that you need to make use of that button that I got you for your birthday. Yes. The no button. Max loves that button, by just, the way. You push it and it just says no in a variety of different ways. And we actually did a podcast on saying no because right. it is so hard for each of us, for sure. And we see that a lot with our patients as well. Is like when you know that you're a no, being able to voice that or even get comfortable and get clear that you are a no, it's hard. Yeah. It's really, really hard. I think part of it is is because I like a lot of variety. And so it's like, I like all the things and I want to do all of the things. But Jamie, you cannot do all of the things all the time. Right. And that's something that struck me, maybe more so in my adult life. It's like, if I took any one of those things individually, it's great. It's just when you add them all together, that there's that cumulative effect where they just feel different. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So we know there's some such a thing as too much. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we've talked a little bit about on a past podcast about how to kind of that idea of like saying no to protect your yes, saying no to the things that are not as important or not as authentic to you to be able to protect the yes. But then there's this concept too of like too much no. And I'll tell you, when I first read the book, I was thinking there's, I do not have too much no. It's still a struggle for me to say no to other people. And so I was thinking that doesn't apply to me until I read the part about saying too much no to yourself. And that actually really did apply to me. So this idea of like, no, I can't do that. This is just the way that I am. This is the way I've always been. So I can't, won't, shouldn't do X, Y, and Z. So I do find that for me, especially saying no about my like ability to move my body, like physical movement is a big no for me in a lot of ways, or I say a lot of no to myself around that. But I'm just wondering, have you guys found areas where there's too much no in your life? I agree with that. Like I can relate to that completely about the physical movement. Cause I, before doing this leadership program, which there's a decent amount of yoga involved. I avoided yoga like the plague because I had in my mind the story of like, you know, no, you can't move your body that way. You're Mm -hmm. not very flexible. This isn't going to work for you. Just stick to what you know. And so, yeah, it comes up for me in that way. Also, too, I think I can get in periods or habits with my kids where I tell them no to things that really do I have to do that so automatically? Like, no, you can't do this. No, you can't Mm. do that. Rather than, you know, saying yes, but also putting sort of like a a stipulation or a bracket around it. Like, yes, we can do this next weekend. Or yes, you can do this at this time rather than just kind of a flat out no and shutting them down. I relate to a lot, you know, with the kids, especially. And then it's kind of like, hard and I was a little embarrassed when I have to like walk it back. I'm like, actually, I think I just said no really fast. Like I was mad or irritable or whatever. And I just jumped to the no, but like, I don't really know why I did that. It's almost like this automatic gut reflex that then later on I'm like, oh, so how do I build in that pause as a parent, like not have an answer right away or to be able to be a little more measured and understand like why I'm so quick to do the no. I also, you know, relate every to what you were saying about being a no, no to myself. And I think for me though, it's more 
kind of prioritizing myself, particularly non-work related things. Like I have a really, really easy time prioritizing work, really, really hard prioritizing kind of fun or leisure or activities that are just like intentional time for me to kind of connect with myself or to, you know, be really present that that is much harder. Yeah. So in the book, Baptiste uses this, a Cherokee legend to describe the, the no and the yes, kind of the forces of no and yes. So he talks about this legend of two wolves. There's the bad wolf, which is the inner voice that speaks to us from a place of survival and scarcity. And it says things like, it's my fault. I'm not good enough. I'm all alone. So this bad wolf kind of stands for this inner no of resignation and cynicism. And then there's this good wolf, which is the inner voice of knowing and says things like, who I am is whole and complete. And the good wolf stands for the yes of possibility. And so the legend goes on to say that whichever wolf we feed gets stronger and wins. And so I think about this idea, especially what you were saying, Lucy, about just getting in the habit of no and kind of feeding the no wolf, that it just makes it easier just to go with no. And that kind of being aware of that and trying to kind of shift over to feeding the the yes wolf, right? So do you guys notice that play between like bad wolf and good wolf, yes wolf? Like what kinds of things do you notice that the like bad wolf says? Should we walk through a few yeah. examples? Yeah, that like, sounds great. So Avery, if you were thinking maybe an example in your life for Jamie of, you know, and he will walk through an exercise later on, but talk about a place in your life you're stuck and then you identify like what the bad wolf says and what the good wolf says. Yes. That might help. You know, thinking about our podcast, you know, and getting started with that, quite honestly, I mean, it's been a little while at this point, but I think, you know, the bad wolf or like inner critic sort of side of me, a lot of times will say things like, you don't have anything to offer. Like you don't have anything new to offer. It's all been said. It's all been done. You know, it's you are why redundant. Yeah. So why like bother? And there's so many other things out there. Yeah, exactly. And so it does, and it creates a lot of self-doubt. And so the other piece of me has to come in and say, you know, let's just try it. You will come into your own, you know, even if you are like, quote unquote, borrowing words from other individuals, your experience is yours alone. It's unique in and of itself just because you're you. And so I have to work hard at that, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great example. Yeah. I love that. What about you, Lucy? So when I think about, and Avery, I don't know if this is what you're asking me, if or like, like my good wolf and bad good wolf, wolf and is bad that what you're talking uh-huh. about? So the uh-huh. example that when I was thinking about this this week that came up was that that ability to be present at home and to relax, really, really hard for me. I tend to get like pulled into work very easily. And so my bad wolf will say things like, I have more important things to do, or this voice, I just need to do this one thing, then I can yeah. relax and have fun. <laughs> and of course, that one thing like keeps going into like millions of things. There's this sense of urgency or restlessness that comes with there. And at the same time that I'm not being present, there's this voice like, you should be present at home too, right? So it's kind of like feeling torn. So that's all like the <laughs> bad win. wolf along Can't those win. lines. And then the inner yes, the good wolf sounds more like I value myself and my family. Like I deserve rest and play or I'm worthy of rest and play. Um, the only thing I have to do right now is to be present, right? Be present, right? Work can wait. It's not as urgent as it feels. There's so much more to life than work, you know, like things like that, that really for sure are more the good wolf's voice. Yeah. 
So there's this exercise and we're kind of alluding to it, but he talks about this exercise that can help us to be a yes. And so the first step is to kind of choose an area in which you feel stuck or shut down. So for you, Lucy, it sounds like one of your areas is being present and playful at home. The area that I was struck with was that physical movement, that just idea of, you know, getting more physical movement in my life or just even my feelings around physical movement. Did you have one, Jamie, that you were kind of thinking about an area where you feel stuck or kind of tension? Yeah, I mean, it's and we had seen sort of your layout of the questions before this podcast. And I was like, Oh, Avery, that's physical movement. That's what I was so yeah. <laughs> right now. I've got to come up with something original, you know? Oh <laughs> so see, it comes into play there. Yes, yes, exactly. But yeah, I mean, I, I would say yes. Like trying new physical activities is something that I can be a lot more hesitant about. Mm-hmm. So the first step is to just choose that area. And one thing I like that he says is the first one that comes to mind is probably a good one to start with. I think especially as more perfectionistic people were like, oh, I need to come up with the best idea and come up. <laughs> no, he's like really the one that kind of comes to the surface. I mean, like kind and of, he describes it just a place where you feel stuck, just, like where you feel stuck energy. Yeah. Exactly. So the, mm-hmm. and what I, I find is kind of those thoughts that kind of keep coming up, like when I'm going to ruminate, what am I going to ruminate about? Like those kinds of things. So the second thing that he says to do is to take out a piece of paper and write down really the negative thoughts around this area of being the stuck, bad wolf the thoughts. bad wolf thoughts. Exactly. So for me around movement, the things that came up for me were, you know, I've always, I hate exercise. I am totally uncoordinated. I start to kind of get on this like diet exercise spiral. I don't want to be on a diet, which of course is not what I'm talking about. But anyway, there's just like a lot of negative thinking about like, I can't, I shouldn't, this is impossible. This is impractical. And I love what you were just saying there, like it all gets wrapped up. So even though you're not talking about a diet, like those diet (laughs) thoughts maybe start to come in. Exactly. Exactly. What about you guys? When you were kind of thinking about negative thoughts around being more present or movement, what did you guys kind of come up with? I would say like with movement, you know, and, and one of the things with doing this leadership training and being forced to do yoga for a long period of time, longer than I would choose on my own, quite honestly, you know, that I would get stuck in like, oh, now you've, you know, if you don't practice enough, you're going to be the quote unquote worst, you know, in the class. You're not going to know what's going on. Look how much you sweat. People probably think that you're like gross. I mean, so just kind of all of these really like, different, yeah, like very, very. Very judgy. Yeah. These other people's judgment of yourself. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, that's not the point of yoga at all. And I get that. And that's kind of the flip side, but I don't want to get too far ahead. Yeah. But yeah. So judgmental, comparative. Very, very judgmental, comparative. Again, like you don't know what you're, you know, you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's, I think, a good sign when when it feels like it's something that's shutting you down, worries, concerns, complaints, those are a good sign that this, that negative thought. And and as you're writing, it's really important not to filter, just get it down, be truthful, just write, nobody's going to see it, just write it down. So then you're going to look for any positive thoughts. And he suggests getting really calm, kind of finding your feet on the floor and observing if there's even a little tiny sense of like something new is possible. And so maybe we can refrain that. I don't know, like the word positive thoughts makes it sound like it has to be all happy thoughts. And I don't think that's the case. But I think this idea of something that is more open and has more like possibility and compassion in it, rather than having to be 
rah rah right. sort of it, thoughts. Right. <laughs> That's a great point. That's a great even neutral, probably. Mm-hmm. Even just not negative, not shutting down, but more opening up. Exactly. So as you guys were kind of writing, what were those kind of opening up kind of thoughts that you came across? Mine was like, at least the clothes are comfortable. Like when <laughs> doing yoga it's like this is the most comfortable outfit that that i own these yoga pants and this t-shirt you know so i mean just silly things like that and i try to relate you know part of it some of it is the like sense of humor that i try to utilize on the good wolf side you know which i may rename some of the poses to kind of like poke fun at myself you know while while i'm doing it yeah well i mean it's not probably tremendously kind but i mean there's like the mermaid pose but i talk about me being like more of like the the beach seal (laughs) sort of pose and i like and seals like to me are kind of happy or whatever and so like like i'm like that's what i imagine myself not like a you know really pretty mermaid i'm more like the playful seal on the Uh beach you know so i mean just like stuff stuff like that yeah yeah and do you tie in what you said a few minutes ago too around like oh that's not really what yoga is even about. I like do. Yoga is yes. just about being, I'm here just to be present in my body and in this moment and I can take whatever the hell pose I want to take. Right, exactly. And there are so many things that I can use to support myself when I'm doing yoga. And I like, because originally when I went in, it was really interesting. I didn't use like the props, like blocks or those sorts of things. I think, oh, well, you know, I'm somewhat physically capable. I don't need to use these things. I'll leave it for other people that need to use that. And, you know, I'm struggling and doing all of these kinds of things, making it harder on myself. But now it's like, oh, yes, give me the blocks, the blanket, the bolster, the cushion. I'll bring it all in. And so, yeah, it's I can use what I need to support myself. And that's something that I say a lot. Mm -hmm. How freeing is that? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I love that. And that's that openness, right? Of like shifting from, I don't need anything to, I can use what I need to support myself. Yep. That's perfect. Yeah. I yeah. don't have to do it all on my own. I don't have exactly. to do it all on my own. Mm-hmm. So when I was thinking about the kind of opening, actually, I was talking about this exercise with a friend of mine and she was like, Avery, if you were completely uncoordinated, like if coordination was not a thing that you could do, you would not be sitting at this table right now. You wouldn't be able to hold your wine glass. You wouldn't be able to sit upright in this table. And I was like, Oh, well, if that's the bar, like, yeah, I'm coordinated. And it kind of was just this shift of like, oh, and it kind of helped me to remember like all the times I have used my body to do something physical, like whether it's walk or, you know, do yoga or whatever of just like, this is actually not true. And the same friend kind of said that she's like, that's what I don't like about labels is that they're hardly ever always true. Right. And I love this idea. And I think that's kind of what this is talking about too, is like noticing those labels that you've got giving yourself and recognizing the times that those are not always true. So I think that kind of that newness, you're going to write those thoughts down to those just newness is possible opening kind of thoughts. And then the next step is to get clear on your intention. And so it honestly may come clear just as you're writing and paying attention to these thoughts. But if not, you may ask yourself certain questions like, what really matters to me in life? And Lucy, you were kind of bringing up some of those as well of like, okay, what really matters to me? Who do I aspire to be? What do I value? Things like that, that kind of help you to get your arms around this kind of intention. So any of those questions that you guys have found helpful as you're trying to kind of shift these thinking pattern to more of like an intention. What did y'all come up with for your intentions? I like the what really matters to me. And what really matters to me is the joy of movement. And so that is my intention. My intention is to do something, you know, movement in a joyful way, Mm. whatever that is, you know, 
four times a week. Yeah. Yeah. Like very specific. And, you know, and I have discovered, you know, that yes, there are lots of different types of yoga. And one of the I don't know, classes that I enjoy the most actually is slow flow because I don't, I mean, maybe it's a story I tell myself, but I just think that I'm just sort of a slower moving (laughs) kind of individual. And so slow flow yoga works for me really well because it allows me to transition between poses and take my time and not feel so rushed and frantic and and flustered. And so I tend towards those classes because I, I enjoy them a lot more. So what I kind of came up with was that I want to like squeeze every drop out of life that I possibly can. And a lot of that is being in my body. A lot of what I get out of life, my joy in life, the only way I can show up in life is in my body. And moving my body is one of the kindest things I can do for my body. And it feels good. And so I think that was kind of where I shifted my intentions. Like I want to do what feels good and not moving my body ever does not actually feel good. Because that's a real story I tell myself is I hate exercise because it hurts and it's tired. And that was kind of like an opening for me as it feels good to move my body. Well, that's interesting what you're both touching on is this idea that we can move our bodies in a way that feels punishing and like very disconnected and joyless. And then we can move them in a way that feels like very supportive and good and joy filled. That's right. Exactly. So then as you're committing to this intention, you write it down using the phrases more like I'm going to, not I want to, not I aspire to, not I'm thinking about maybe, but I am going to, I commit to. So what I wrote down is I commit to moving my body joyfully four times a week. You both wrote the same thing down. Isn't that crazy? That is, Roughly, yeah. I mean, Jamie, you, just you said four times a week. I was like, girl, you are like in my head. So what did you write down? What was your commitment? That was it. Yeah, that was it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so great. That's so great. Yep. So, yeah. And what was your commitment again? I'm going to be present and playful and I'm going to have fun. Mm-hmm. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So then we kind of talk about what, one, having that commitment written down in black and white can be really helpful in kind of holding ourselves to that intention. But also we talked, he talks about the things that are going to take you out. I mean, that there are going to be things that, that start to take you out. And so one of the things that he says, I love this quote, he said that our resistance dissolves by relaxing with what is and holding that space for something new to open up. And so kind of thinking about the resistance, it's kind of like figuring out, okay, like knowing that it's coming, like relaxing with what is, which is there's going to be a time that you're not feeling playful. There's going to be a time that I do not feel like joyfully moving my body. There's going to be a time that you don't make four, that three is the only thing that's going to happen. And just kind of relaxing with like, yep, that's to be expected versus, ooh, that's another bad wolf opportunity for the bad wolf to get me. So what about you guys? Anything that has been helpful to kind of remain committed if something kind of comes to take you out? I think some of the stuff, especially around like the movement piece for me is I can remind myself there are other opportunities. So I will get hung up on like the four, four times a week or whatever, like trying to to hit that. And again, that's not necessarily the purpose of that, of that intention is to be so rigid around it. Like I need to allow myself grace and order, you know, things they interfere, things get up. You know, if I go and travel, I may not be able to do the same stuff that I want to do. So where can I look for alternatives? There are other options. Right. And so I think that's where it's so helpful to have that list of kind of what the good wolf and bad wolf says, Mm because you can kind of know the bad wolf's going to use the same kind of terminology and kind of come up with that resistance so that you can find those workarounds. And that's where you get powerful. 
right? Like that's where you find your power is by, you know, being able to work through those rough patches. So that is my do try it at home is this kind of step-by-step process. And we're going to post it in the show notes, but also on Facebook and would love to hear feedback or if you've tried this or what, we would just love to hear about that process for you. But anything quickly, do try this at home, Jamie or Lucy, that, that you think the pearls that you've come away with. So I think the ideas of the power of declaration, right, Mm -hmm. and intentionality, and quite often we're wishy-washy in our speech and language. And so how do you start You think about something in your life and either using this formula, right, like I'm committed to having a breakthrough in X, right, or I, you know, you drop the I want and you say I am blank, right? And so almost playing around with your language and the power of declaration in your life. Love that. And I loved his quote on courageousness and fear is can be what takes you out. And he says to be courageous means to live with and from the heart. And so whenever I get, you know, nervous about maybe trying some new movement activity or whatever, I try to go back to that feeling of courageousness and living from the heart and reminding myself that. I loved how he talked about, too, that the good wolf voice, he described it as the heart's voice, mm-hmm. and the bad wolf is almost yes. often the head's voice. Right. And so we start to kind of separate from that stance, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can't wait to hear from you if you try this exercise on Facebook. We'll be, like I said, I'll post it there, and we'll, we'd just love to hear from you. So I think that's going to do it for us today, and we're going to be looking forward to our next episode It is Give It Up to Get Empty. So we're going to continue our deep dive in this series. So join us again. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. Visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com. (music) 